Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. If you haven't yet given us a five-star review, pause this recording and give us a five-star review. Give us a five-star rating, that is. And review us positively. <laughs> Follow yeah, us on Twitter. No, people are going to be literal, Kirk, about this. And they're, and they're going to give us a five-star rating. And then the review is going to be... Five stars. Five stars. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at, at @clergylay And join our Facebook discussion group. I am Kirk Haberman, a church musician. And this is my brother, Chris, a priest who is certainly tan, even through the microphone, listener, you can probably hear back from vacation chris how are you if they're listening through my microphone we have an issue kirk Uh, i'm sorry i did not answer your question kirk i'm great (laughs) i just got back from vacation tomorrow is my wife's birthday um i enjoyed the episode from last week uh featuring joe i am not a eunuch gasberry (laughs) Things are, are are very good here in in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where the women are strong and the men are good looking. Good looking. Sorry, I stumbled there. And the children are above average. Yeah. And how are things in uh, in the beach in South Jersey? Uh the beach was great, Kirk. Uh, I, because everyone knows you love the beach. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> It was, it was actually quite nice, Kirk. Uh, the, the one night I was texting you saying, uh, this is perfect beach weather. And I took a picture. It was like cloudy <laughs> and, and, and cool. It was like 65 degrees and, yeah. and breezy. And, and I'm like, this is perfect. Because uh, the last time we went to the beach in Cape May, uh, it was a, a, a sacrificial thing for me to just <laughs> like huddle under the umbrella and sweat and like watch my kids enjoy themselves uh it was a labor of love and and so it was nice that this time that uh the weather was significantly cooler and uh really the whole trip new york city every leg of the trip uh in a trip where where so many things can go wrong from transportation hiccups uh the delta variant surging uh any one of us could get sick and kind of throw a wrench at things but uh, things went really well kirk question Mm -hmm. do your uh complaints against the beach mirror mine that is to say, the three S's, sunburn, salt, and sand. Those are among them, yeah. <laughs> among them. Yours exceed mine. Can you make it alliterative? Alliterative? Can you make it four or five S's? Uh, not, I can't do that and keep it uh, <laughs> uh, kid-friendly. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> my, my thing about the ocean, it, it kind of grosses me out, Kirk. It, 
Right. Like every everything flows into it. Like all like all the sewage and like everything flows oh. downriver into the ocean. So it's not even it, like the organic, like unseen things that are like swimming by you and flowing by you. Those are pretty gross though. Like okay. you look at like ocean creatures, like right. ugh. but it's it's just like it's not clean, you know. I'm I'll take a lake any day, like a nice mm. clean lake over mm. uh over the ocean. But like my, but here's the thing though, like the waves, the pound, the constant pounding of the waves, uh, whether you are in the shallows, letting it come up to your um, knees, uh, and 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 just feeling that the power of that. That's amazing for people of any age, Kirk. Sure. Um, and then, like, what, uh, I mean, our, our daughter's old enough to learn how to, you know, she boogie boards and she she just likes bouncing up and down in the waves, swimming in them. And so that she enjoys. But yeah, the the, 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 the heat of it, um, the, the, the sand, like, Kirk, I mean... George Lucas was right. I'm, I'm, I'm mea culpa. Like the hotel room, when you walked across barefoot, uh, it, it was like walking on the beach. Um, and we had like, we put up a sign every day saying, maid, please come clean our room. Uh, and the thing is your son is like my three sons. <laughs> like he will unintentionally, like he loves you and he loves your wife. But like unintentionally, we'll make sure he brings as much of the beach back with him, right? Correct. Yeah, and and <laughs> and on on multiple occasions, we went down to the beach just to just like I don't know, I don't even know what we were thinking, Kirk, because we must have had like vacation brain because we took him down not in a swimming suit multiple <laughs> times and to the like beach. He just didn't care, right? Yeah, correct? he's like neck neck deep in, in the ocean. You know, three seconds later, uh, and we're like, okay, okay, I guess maybe we should have changed to your swimming suit. <laughs> <laughs> you just couldn't resist it like the ocean called him so do you have so, this memory of uh our father and this this wasn't going to the beach beach this was just going to a lake you know five miles from our house growing up <laughs> that had a beach right a fresh uh, water getting back exactly. into the car yeah. do you remember what her father did to us well it seemed uh cruel and unusual <laughs> yes. uh he would take a towel and kind of whip it against our legs and feet but like as a kid, it seemed like he was like gr- like sanding our skin off with sandpaper, right? Like prisoner, <laughs> what prisoner number, whatever his number is in Les Mis, eight six seven five three zero nine. No, I know that's not him. <laughs> whatever prisoner number. Never underwent such cruelty like right, in, in right. the in the quarries of France, right? As then, we yeah. as our dad put us through. And then, as an adult, what do you find yourself doing to your children before they get in the van? Uh, I do yeah. exactly that, man. I'm like, no way. You're not getting in like that. I don't whip it off, but like I rub the salt or the sand off. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Which probably feels the same to them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we didn't have that circumstance just because of the logistics of where we were. Instead, they just tracked it into our hotel room for me to walk on. <laughs> so, so anyway, yeah, it was, it was a fantastic trip. The, the kids love the beach. Um, uh, the weather was forecasted to be like, rainy most of the days and it turned out to rain maybe for an hour um and instead we just got clouds that day which was great for, with me and like honestly the kids didn't care and but 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 then like the the nicer days weren't you know 95 and sunny they, they were like 85 or 83 which was great kirk you know with the right. ocean breeze it's, it's not it's just not oppressively hot so so um so that was really great and and we um yeah, it was it was a really good trip. Um, but you know, it's also like 
all good trips. Like it's, it's good to be home. Yes. Yes. Uh, when you take a long vacation, I always think of, um, Lord of the Rings, um, uh, the hobbits coming home, like mm. the, uh, the adventure is fun, right? They're tooks, right? So they're like the brand of Hobbit that, that is, is re- more restless than other hobbits, but the, but the delight of coming back to the Shire, mm-hmm. um, is, uh, is, uh, home is put into a special kind of relief because you've been there and back again. Right. Yeah. Which is the name of Bilbo's book right there and back again. Yeah. There and back again. Yeah. Now I try to make that into a transition. <laughs> there and back again. Well, I mean, um, you've had adventures. Um, uh, Bilbo had adventures, but uh, and I've had adventures, but none of us have ever been visited by the angel Gabriel, have we? We're going to make a little swerve here this week uh, and not do the proper for the, what Sunday is it after Pentecost? 12th? 732nd. I don't know. <laughs> we're starting to get a lot. <laughs> sure. We're not going to do the propers for this Sunday. Instead, we are going to do the um, the proper for the feast of the Virgin Mary, Mother of 12th. our Lord. It is the 12th, by the way. Which is Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for all those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Kirk, Christians are a familial people. We see in the early epistles, uh, Paul exhort them to greet one another with a holy kiss. Uh, We see this uh, very real new people that that are are made, uh, that that are passed through the waters of baptism and are united with Christ and with each other. Um, they're called the body of Christ and people from there, you know, in, in a world that um, had these strict tribal boundaries of Jew and Greek, right? Um, slave and free. Uh, Christianity blows all that stuff up and says, you know, there is no Jew or Greek. 
um, you know, we are all one in Christ and we are all united. And, uh, but family isn't not only uniting of people on a horizontal plane, family is this thing that stretches through the ages where we have ancestors. Um, and in Christianity, because like we are all um, one people um, that we call each other brother and sister, right? Um, in Christ, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We also have fathers and grandfathers and grandmothers and mothers and great grands uh, all the way up. And so this is uh, one thing. If, if you're a, a Catholic listening to this, this may, you know, you don't need to be talked into having an interest in Mary as a saint who we ought to uh, study and learn from and be influenced by. But if you are a Protestant, I want you to hear this, that um, I think there's a ten tendency among Protestants to kind of view the early church with kind of love and awe. And I think two weeks ago, I talked about D.A. Carson, who, uh, you know, one generation separated from the apostles, uh, criticized Ignatius of Antioch, for, for essentially twisting the doctrine uh, of, of believing in monarchical bishops and believing in um, the real presence of Jesus Christ in, in Holy Communion. Uh, where, uh, and D.A. Carson is a Protestant who thinks like, oh, well, the first generation was good and then everything went awry. And thank God for the Reformation who kind of brought us back to uh, orthodoxy. Uh, and and uh, of course, th there are some really good things that happened in the Reformation, but um, unless our forefathers um, between uh, the first Christians and the Reformation, unless they taught things that are distinctly unscriptural or uh, have no, uh, not just have no warrant, but are, are clearly in co conflict with scripture, um, they are invaluable ancestors of ours. That it's important to know our family and, and to, to know their theology and, and, and how they worship and who they are. And so in that way, um, Mary uh, is very important to us, uh, whether you're a Catholic who, um, you know, talk, talk, talk to her, pray to her as mother, um, or whether you're a Protestant who kind of has skepticism of Roman Catholic practices. And, uh, and maybe because of that, don't feel like maybe the Magnificat and Mary's response is all that important. So I want you to hear that today, listener. Uh, and, and I want to say other things about how like Christianity is, is received. It's received and passed down. Uh, what we have today of our faith, um, even the scriptures are, are ours today because they were received and passed down. And I, I mean that at like literally like the books of the Bible were received and passed down, but even the content of the books of the Bible. Kirk, do you remember 1 Corinthians 15? What Paul says there? Uh, he says many things in 1 Corinthians 15. What are you yeah. getting? <laughs> uh, the, the opening of, of 1 Corinthians 15. He says, now I would remind you brothers, there's that familial term, of the gospel I preach to you which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. And he goes on and on with this kind of lengthy creedal statement, right? That like, it seems like he is giving them this creed um, that was probably uh, common in the early church. 
Um, and Paul is one to, to bang his own drum to say, no, 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 the risen Christ appeared to me and made me an apostle. So when like, when he receives something from Christ, he often says it. And so that's probably not what he's saying here is he's not saying I received this from Christ. He's saying like, I received this from, from my brothers and maybe even my fathers in the faith. Um, and I'm now passing this on to you. And I also think about Kirk, every ordination that I've, uh, attended or even my own ordination, uh, which I participated in where I made a vow to faithfully pass on what I have received. Um, our ancestors are very important to us. Um, these saints like Mary and, and everyone that came after her. So I, th that's a big Kirk. Uh, I, I hope I landed the plane. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> now I'll say a few words about the text. Uh, uh we always appreciate your, uh, your lengthy throat clearing as you, uh, begin to tackle the gospel. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> uh, the, this Magnificat, this song of Mary, uh, it echoes very, very strongly, uh, the song of Hannah from first Samuel mm, two, mm -hmm. which, uh, is an indication of this in itself is an indication that Mary is someone who knew the scriptures. Yes. Uh, but, but all, and, and so if I'll read just a little bit of, of Hannah's prayer, um, uh, Hannah, of course, is, is the mother of Samuel, um, and Samuel was a gift to her, a woman who thought she was barren, um, and she said, like, God, if you give me a, a son, I will give my son to you, which is kind of interesting teach, um, thing to kind of contemplate in itself of, like, all things come from God and, and like, are not, in fact, our, our, our own. Um, she says, my heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, and for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. And so I could go on. But, uh, first Samuel chapter two, um, listener, uh, read it uh, today or tomorrow or when you think of it. Um, but uh, also each line of Mary's song in, in Luke chapter one is a testimony to God's work in Israel's history. Um, it's like, not only does she know Hannah's song, but she knows God's work, um, on behalf of his people. And, uh, I want to, uh, read just a brief quote from, from a commentary that, that, uh, that I read. Uh, I usually don't read quotes, but sometimes someone says something so well that I couldn't possibly, um, I, I don't even want to paraphrase it. So, uh, this person says, the words of praise speak of God's redeeming work, not as future, but as already having been fulfilled. Such is the confidence of faith. So Mary is talking about God's salvation. like, And this is the same thing, Kirk, I think with Simeon, who is looking at this drooling baby and saying, I have seen Israel's salvation. Um, these are the words of faith, um, which, which are, are really beautiful to, to to consider that that Mary is not even beholding a baby. She's just uh, reacting to the news right. uh, that, that of God's gift to her, uh, the scary thing. And, um, and, and she uh, rejoices in God who has done mighty things, um, who has brought down the mighty from their thrones. Um, and uh, uh, her faith is such that she knows that God's salvation has come. Yes. And is, is that, is that you, does that sound you applying the brakes to your comments? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, this, uh, the name of this feast day for us 
uh, in the Anglican Communion is, uh, as, as I said to you um, before the show, Christopher, is delightfully squishy, right? Yeah. Um, we simply are, are mark this as the Virgin Mary, mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and uh, so we are marking and celebrating and giving thanks to God for a particular saint, um, um, a, 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 a special and particular saint, right? The mother of our Lord. Um, the, uh, the Eastern Church uh, calls this feast the Dormition of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which means the going to sleep of. Um, and uh, the, the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church in the 20th century, um, elevated to the status of dogma, the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which for our Protestant friends doesn't mean that she suddenly had a good idea, as is suggested in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Um, but rather that she was assumed into heaven, that, that like um, Elijah or Enoch, um, she did not die, but she ascended into heaven. Um, in their defense, uh, there, there are no relics of Mary anywhere. Um, of all the apostles and all the martyrs of the early church, we have tombs and places of pilgrimage where you can go and, um, and, and, and places that are touched by prayer and pilgrimage for all the apostles, but not for Mary. Um, so that is notable. She ended her days in Ephesus, and you would think there would be, a, be relics or a special place in Ephesus, but there's not. However, there is no scriptural warrant for that. And so in delightful Anglican squishiness and ambiguity, Christopher, we uh, kind of wink at that, um, acknowledge that there is that, that great tradition that goes way back, um, and yet there, we are people of the book. And, um, and so we teach above all that which is, uh, which is in scripture. And you know what's in scripture? Um, Mary as a principal character, mm. um, as the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ, as the mother of God. And uh, so for that alone, um, this, uh, this is a high, high feast day, uh, a feast day um, that, that, that ought to be celebrated. So several things um, that we should, we should note as well. First of all, um, the title Mother of God. And I believe that we've talked about this before, um, but it's worth revisiting um, because this is a title that good, God-fearing, Bible-believing folks that you and I know um, uh, makes, makes them squirm. Um, and Christopher, before we, we kind of address why it's a good and godly title, um, why, why does it make some people squirm? You tell me. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm, I'm trying to get in the head of, okay, so. Yeah, I, I mean, like, you, you clearly have an answer you'd like. Um, it's, is it that like a, uh, a mere mortal cannot be the mother of, of a divine being? I, yes, I think that's it, right? So, so how could God have a mother, right? And so After even all, to be, God is eternal. So like, yeah. Right, right, right. So even to begin to talk about Mary, and her, her importance in the biblical story and her continuing importance in the, in, in the life of the church um, is to begin to do Christology, right? So God was fully, as we read in scriptures, right? Uh, Jesus is fully God, right? Um, and he's fully man. So two natures, right? The divine nature and the human nature. So not 50% God, not 50% man, but 100% uh, God and 100% man. And that 100% man, well, he had Mary's DNA, right? Um, so he, uh, Mary is um, 
visited by the Holy Spirit, and um, and and it becomes with child, and so Jesus surely I, I don't know this is you know extra biblical but maybe had her laugh or her smile, maybe he twiddled with his hands the same way she did, right? But uh, uh, all his genetic traits he would have gotten from her. Well, there's a word for that, right? It's motherhood, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he is, uh, she is mother of our Lord. Um, Theotokos is the Greek word, God-bearer. And this was a vitally important concept in the early church in pinning down um, certain heresies that, that wanted to limit the divinity of Christ. Um, uh, Arianism is one of them. And uh, the other one is, is currently escaping me. Uh, what's the heresy that Nestorianism separation of natures yes um, Nestorianism uh, Nestorius taught that sort of the human nature was stapled on to the divine nature like two boards that were nailed to each other and they could be ripped back apart Um, and that's just not true you you cannot separate the human and divine nature within Christ right so so Christ's human nature is is risen at God's right hand at this moment um, as this is divine nature, and they were both present in Galilee, and they're both present in Mary's womb. And uh, one of my favorite poets, John Donne, um, says this quite, uh, quite profoundly in his poem, simply titled Annunciation. This is a poem that's the first in a set of two. He wrote one poem, Annunciation, and then another, Nativity. And um, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, because it's 17th century uh metaphysical verse and it can get kind of thick (laughs) but um, I just want to read the last several lines in prison in thy womb and though he there can take no sin nor thou give yet he will wear taken from thence flesh which death's force may try Right, so in prison, right? He is he is in this in this dark place in Mary's womb, right? In thy womb, and though he there can take no sin, right? So so Christ is sinless from the beginning, nor can give Mary sin, right? Christ is not giving Mary sin. So this is, I mean, we um, yet he will wear flesh. He will wear Mary's flesh. Ere by the spheres time was created, thou wast in his mind, who is thy son and brother whom thou conceivest, conceived. Yea, thou art now thy maker's maker and thy father's mother. Thou hast light and dark and shutst in little room, immensity cloistered in thy dear womb. I mean, that's so thick with imagery um, that it's, it's worth taking line by line for just a moment, Christopher. Um, Ere by the spheres time was created, Right. So before the foundations of the earth were laid, you were in his mind, Mary, you, who is thy son and brother. Right. So, so on the one hand, Jesus is Mary's son. On the other hand, um, Jesus and Mary are both humanity, right? Whom thou conceived, right? Mary, you conceived Jesus. Yet Jesus conceived you in his mind, right? He spoke the world into being, right? Yea, thou art, thou art now thy maker's maker. And this is quite mystical, right? She is giving birth to her maker. 
she is giving her DNA, giving her flesh to form the flesh of the one who made her. And so in this way, um, it, it is, it is it's quite a great mystery that she is the mother of our Lord. And uh, let's, let me finish this before I, before I stammer, <laughs> trying to uh, glimpse into things that are beyond me. Thou hast light in dark and shutst in little room, immensity cloistered in thy dear womb, right? Christopher, is there any, any light that is in the womb? <laughs> no light can get in, right? It's a dark place. Yet we read in John 1, um, that, that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was light in the darkness, right? So what an imagery, right? In, within her dark womb is light, is the light mm. of the world, as John calls it, right? Immensity cloistered in thy dear womb. Um, if you've ever, Christopher, you've, you have two children. You've held them when they, uh, when they were first born. You can see how folded up they are, right? Their arms and legs, like they are, they were so small in there. And yeah, and, and so Jesus was, was just like that, so small. And yet infinity himself, infinity itself, mm. right? Mm -hmm. um, it's just remarkable. And, uh, and so Mary is given this honor and um, Jesus always honored her. Uh, and so I think there's a bit of romophobia um, amongst mm -hmm. our more Protestant leaning brethren um, because we don't want to maybe err with some um, Romish practices around Mary that in the end, we have no Marian piety or practices or observances at all. <laughs> and let so, me, Kirk, um, Kirk yes. let me shine a light on that by just asking you a question. Yeah. Is there anything special about Mary or was she just, uh, just like you and me, except uh, like obviously a woman. Um, is she, is she special in any way? Uh, well, she is sainted, right? So um, she is, she's a great saint of the church. Um, she, yes, there is something special about her. She was chosen and yeah. she said yes. Yes. God chose her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So sure, he could have chosen any woman, but he chose her, right? Yeah. And whom God honors, we should also honor. Yeah. Any, any final thoughts? Because uh, we have something that you've been wanting to talk about for a while, and we should just rip the Band-Aid off and talk about it. With that <laughs> transition <laughs> indicating Kirk's excitement about this topic, oh, uh, we will transition uh, to our culture segment where we will discuss Kajillionaire, a 2020 film written and directed by Miranda July. Uh, this is a film that stars Evan Rachel Wood, whom you might know as uh, the mother of 
uh, Anna and Elsa, the, the voice of the mother yes. of Anna and Elsa in Frozen 2. Uh, also, if you watched Westworld, yes. she was on Westworld. Kirk, you, you've seen Westworld? I don't uh, think the first I season, the first two seasons. Okay. She is a, a central, a hinge character, um, certainly in the first two seasons. You didn't watch the season, the third season where like they break out of Westworld and like go to the like the, the future, like the, the real world? I should just, I should, I should just out of homage to Michael Crichton being a huge Crichton fan. Um, and usually people say like, Oh, I stopped watching him when he gets too trippy. Nothing's too trippy for me. So I, <laughs> I, I probably like waded through the boring bits and never got to the good bit, but anyways, I, I don't know. Like when, when I saw West, like Westworld, like this, this, uh, I know, like, play, I liked play, it. I honestly have no reason why we stopped watching it. This, this playground and that happens like you like yeah stop watching shows for bad reasons like but like when I saw this playground in the in the future uh I was like I want to see what what the world looks like outside of here yeah but that but that's just me anyway uh so Evan Rachel Wood uh Deborah Winger and Richard Jenkins of this family of small time grifters and Kirk hated this movie, and he'll talk about that uh, momentarily. Uh, this movie is is available on HBO Max if you'd like to watch it. I don't know that this is for everybody, but the reason that I want to talk about it today, uh, it, this movie was brought to our attention by listener Daniel Patrick Moynihan Ryan Kinney. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sorry, David Mark Ryan Kinney, uh, who uh, said we have to watch this. Uh, so we watched it and Kirk, I want to talk mainly about the theme uh, of, of the Christian idea of the Imago Dei mm. and how the Imago Dei, the image of God, um, how each of us are inherently uh, given dignity. Um, and, and there's a beauty to each human being because we are created the image of God. This movie uh, depicts the, how a way that that is distorted right yeah so uh richard jenkins and deborah winger play the parents of evan rachel wood uh these are a a, a group of uh, a family of homeless people i guess they're not homeless because technically they're they're renting this horrible dilapidated like, office one space floor twice. office building with a leakage issue right it regularly bleeds this yep. pink foam twice a day <laughs> this foam comes in and they've got to clean it up before it rots the walls and you know why they and, uh, it bleeds pink foam christopher because on the other like side factory is quote a foam factory unquote. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay go on but so th this is a family uh, uh, of people who are unemployed and they make their money through small time grifts. Uh, so you name it, uh, they, they do it. Um, Evan Rachel Wood, were she given a regular childhood, she might've been a gymnast. Um, but her, her like athleticism and, and uh, uses itself to steal mail from mailboxes and to use that in ways that are profitable for them, for them to just survive. And uh, they are so bent on survival that no level of thriving has actually, no human thriving is happening in their lives. And so one early part of this, we see where uh, during one of their grifts, I think they steal a watch from, from a guy and then go to his house and pretend like they found it, hoping for a reward. And instead of giving a cash reward, they're like, oh, our daughter is a uh, massage therapist. 
uh, we want to give you a gift certificate to get a massage from her. And so they're like, well, how they're talking to amongst themselves. Like, how do we find a way to monetize this? Like maybe we, we can return it for cash. Well, I mean, this massage therapist is like, well, I don't like, I, I'm not going to give you a cash refund for this. Like I wasn't, I didn't get cash for this. So I can't give you a cash refund. My parents just gave this to you. Um, so like this, I'm not going to lose money on this prospect. I'll do them a favor. Uh, but, uh, so Evan Rachel, what is like, fine. Then, then I'll take the massage. Like, at least I want something out of this. And Kirk, what happens when, uh, she attempts to give Evan Rachel Woods character a massage? Uh, she recoils, uh, at the least physical touch. Uh, and mm -hmm. in fact, um, the touch that she finds satisfactory <laughs> is the, the, the massage therapist like hovering her yeah. uh, hands about 16 inches off of her back. <laughs> and she says, that's good. Um, so she is obviously um, completely unfamiliar with any intimacy at all. Yeah. Um, and, and intimacy, like being like, like mother daughter, like, right. like uh, not just intimacy, uh, affection. Um, she has not received any measure of of motherly affection from her mom, and in and she didn't doesn't even realize this until at one point in the movie, uh, they uh, in a really tiny grift, uh, a pregnant woman who must be like on public assistance or something, uh, is like required to go to parenting classes, uh, and is like, hey, I'll give you twenty five bucks, Evan Rachel Wood, what's uh. Old Dolio is her name, but like, I like how you don't find that out until later. And then they explain to you like why her name is Old Dolio, which is super sad, right? Oh, it's intensely sad. Yep. Um, that she's like, uh, Evan Rachel Wood, like, I'll give you $25 to go to this parenting class. All you got to do is sign in and then you can leave. Well, it doesn't quite work out to sign in and leave. So she sits through it and she watches a newborn baby. Yep. Uh, Kirk, what, what do they call that? The uh, breast crawl the breast crawl as they place mm -hmm. the baby on the uh, uh, naked baby on the naked belly of, of, of the mother as, as a, as this baby has just come out and there's still slime on the baby, but like there's this bonding uh, this, this thing that we can't even explain. Uh, it's like a, you know, unconscious subconscious thing, right. That it's not like a cognitive thing that like the baby it's finds instinctual. its way. Yeah. It's instinctual and it finds its way to the nipple. And like, she is amazed by like, um, she has never felt in her life <laughs> um, what she sees this newborn baby receiving as far as this bond uh, between a mother and, and a child. Um, and so uh, kind of the, not the twist, but like the, the in the second act, you see Gina Rodriguez, which uh, if you watch Jane the Virgin, um, that actress plays Jane the Virgin. Uh, she's in other things as, as well. But Gina Rodriguez kind of comes into their into their world and um, suddenly the mother starts, uh, referring to Gina Rodriguez in affectionate terms, Kirk, what does she right. call her Han or yeah. And like, and, and Evan Rachel Woods, like you've never called me Han. And, um, and in fact, uh, so at one point she offers her mother, um, yes. what does she offer her? I'll give you like $10,000 or like, so somehow she comes into a bunch of money. I don't even remember how it's been weeks since I watched it's it. an insurance scam. It's an insurance yes. scam that she, she, it's like the biggest, biggest uh, um, kind of cash of their life, right? That yes, she actually yes. is able to pull yeah. off. And it turns out it's in her name, Oldolio's name, right? Yeah. And she's like, I'll give it all to you if you just call me Hun. And she can't even, she can't even yeah. call her daughter Hun. Yeah. 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 And 
Kirk, I, th- I thought it was a just a heartbreaking movie. Uh, the, the only criticism I have of it is is the very end of it. Uh, I wish they would have eliminated um, uh, like the movie closes uh, with uh, Evan Rachel Wood, uh, who had been receiving up until that point, finally, motherly love from Gina Rodriguez. And like in the third act, what we see finally is like mom won't give her love. Uh, so she receives love from this uh, new person that enters their their orbit. Um, and Gina Rodriguez like realizes just how neglected um, and abused through neglect uh, Evan Rachel Wood has been. And so she's like, I'm going to give you all the things that you think a mother should have given you. Um, but Kirk, I did not like, uh, I do not, and it's indicative of how our culture cannot, you know, the, you know, we talk about the four loves of, of yes. uh, yeah. you know, that, that our, uh, our culture cannot separate Eros. Exactly. Uh, from, from uh, like erotic love from just like familial or like, yeah. or agape love or just like affection uh, and friendship affection, where yeah. um, Gina Rodriguez and Evan Rachel Wood embracing a kiss. So like this mother daughter relationship suddenly becomes a sexualized one, which yeah. <laughs> is, is just a weird, weird way for the movie to close. Don't, well, it, don't you yeah. agree? <laughs> yeah. It, well, it collapsed the metaphor, right? Everything collapses. Yes, yeah. Into yeah. Which yeah. is that is not what we want from our mothers, right? Right. <laughs> uh, unless you're Sigmund Freud, but um, right. but uh, I'll just uh, wrap up my comments with um, when you find out that her name is actually Old Dolio, because her parents named her after this homeless guy, um, hoping that he would put her in his will. Yeah. Yep. So that is <laughs> that is how they named their daughter for the rest of her life. She, she became old Dolio um, on a on a uh, grift gone bad. So, so Kirk, uh, tell tell me your thoughts on this movie. Uh, you uh, was it just cringy for you, or did you, did you just not like it? Yeah, I hated it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he it, hates it was, you, Ryan Kinney. It was it was physically difficult to watch. Uh, now that being said, uh, it 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 explored. Uh, some pretty profound themes. So I think you're right about that, right? Like, so yeah. when you said it's, it explores a distortion, maybe accidentally, I, I don't think yeah. they're, yeah. they're outright theists writing this, but, but accidentally it's exploring a distortion of the Imago Dei, right? So like what happens, we are created by love, capital L, right? God is love. We yeah. created by love for love with each other horizontally that we might someday return to the source of our being love itself um and exist or as, as, or as paul you know preaches at the areopagus in acts 15 um you know he, he says like that god made us um and so that we might know him might like, yeah. search for him and find yeah. him yeah 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 exactly very good point and what could be a more perfect diabolical distortion of this image of god that we created by love for love so that we might on our journey return to love once again and seek him and know him. Then too, in this hideous accidental lab experiment, um, absolutely withhold all love from a being for 25 years. Mm. And that's that's the the, 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 the the twisted lab experiment here with old Dolio, right? And what you get is this sad creature that, that desperately wants something and recoils when it's given to her, right? You see that in the massage, and in, in other ways in which she she's constantly recoiling to any sort of 
basic human interaction throughout the first two acts of the movie. And that's really interesting. Uh, and it, and it, and it highlights the point that we, that we flourish when we uh, live in love and charity with another, mm. with one another, which is a very Christian theme. Uh, it's, it's difficult to watch. <laughs> Uh, there is also this other interesting theme, Christopher. Can, can, can we just stop there? Um, yeah. Can you say more about that, about it being difficult to watch? Uh, the parents, uh, they're never called mom and dad. It's kind of understood that it's that, that they are mom and dad. I mean, it's it's a home sort of, right? It's this dilapidated office, one floor office. Um, but they're called what, Richard and... Teresa, Robert and Teresa, um, and uh, and they work really hard to make make it clear like um, that they're doing Old Olio a favor by not treating her like a daughter, you know, by not softening her up and making her think that the world is this pleasant place where you can just receive love, you know, where things will work hmm. out for you, mm-hmm. right? Like in some twisted way, they think they're doing her a favor. Um, I suppose they're only passing on what they know. You, there's this scene yeah, on the airplane sure. where you see that uh, Richard, or Robert rather, is himself incapable of any affection. Right? He's an, in, um, an intensely scared and fidgety person on the airplane. So I think that's probably an insight into him. Um, he thinks everything's a grift. Right? When someone mm-hmm. talks to him on the airplane and that person like leaves, he like says to the person next to him, uh, reach, your, reach for your wallet. Where's your wallet? Like, make sure they didn't get your wallet, right? Because that's what he would have done or something. Um, Christopher, did you notice the theme about the earthquake? They're always waiting for this big one. There are, this, there are these, what, three, four, five different tremors that occur throughout the movie. And I suppose that's a, just a really obvious metaphor for, like, um, emotional tremors that are coming, right? Emotional shifts that are disguised as tectonic shifts, right? So... What triggers Oldolio's uh, her paradigm shift is is a pretty big earthquake, right? Isn't she like in a bathroom? Well, with- well, yeah. So I think Gina Rodriguez brings her there for her to like feel like she's coming out of a womb into yes! out of darkness into light and to yes! to to receive that that uh, it's almost like a John three moment, yeah. right? Yeah. How can a man be born again? Can he yeah. enter into his mother's room? Like, and she's like, she let's wants try. To be, and then she wants there's... to be baptized almost, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So she goes Absolutely. into this... <laughs> dark, yeah. dark, like the, the only place where it's completely dark. And while she's, while, while she's having this experience, there's an earthquake and she just assumes that she died because I think it's because there is there, like their life, they are not thriving and they think that they are <laughs> protecting themselves by protecting themselves from affection and love. Um, but, but all they, all they know is fear. Yeah, and, and the whole like, family just is waiting. characterized by this fear for the big one, yeah. right? Right. The, the shoe is going to drop. At some point, the shoe is going to drop. And she survives. She staggers out, right? And she thinks that um, she's given eyes to see the beauty of the world, I think, for the first time, right? And she walks into this convenience store, and she just, like, holds candy in her hand. And for the first time, she realizes, like, it's candy. It probably tastes really good. This bag of chips. Can I buy everything in here? Um, and she has kind of her first positive interactions with humans ever, right? Just perfect strangers, like a guy gassing up, the gas station attendant, all this stuff. And so for like a 30 second period, she's able to see the simple beauties of the world. Would you say that's true? 
Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that, that, I mean, it's a very straightforward metaphor, right? That quake is a metaphor for her internal quake, her in, internal tectonic shift. But Kirk, I don't, I don't, I don't want to uh, uh, have you lose momentum, but, but I just, I'm just curious for, for you to explore a little bit more, like what made it so uncomfortable to watch? Was it the lack of affection? Was it, I know that you, um, you were really susceptible to cringy stuff. It yes, wasn't I am. Like, like you like run and hide if it's like awkward, like socially like meet awkward. the fuckers type of comedy. It yeah. just is impossible well, for me to watch. What was uh, it that made this hard, like so difficult to watch? Yeah, I mean, if this is a comedy, it's a dark comedy. So it's not like a slapstick, meet the fucker style comedy where you watch like the protagonist get like kicked in the nuts and then you laugh at him or something. That's not what's happening here. Uh, what makes it difficult to watch is is the bleakness. Um, and I'll, I guess I'll say this as well, Christopher, it's a godless universe, right? Mm -hmm. There is no transcendence. So, so there is a sense of... Uh, she's able to see the ordinary graces, um, the beauty of human love and human affection, and that it's possible and it's out there and that she should seek it instead of recoil from it. Um, I mean, what you're describing isn't a godless universe, but, but sort of natural theology. Um, yes, I'm describing natural theology, right? Um, but there's no transcendence, right? So there's, she does find horizontal affection in this Gina Rodriguez's character um, but there's, there's no grace. I, I don't think she's ever, um, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to think about that more. Yeah. I don't know. Are you putting me on the couch here? <laughs> I don't know. That's uh, a good, only, it's a only good question. partially, only partially. <laughs> I, I know that I, okay. Well, um, I mean, if we're going to make this personal, uh, I, I know that I, um, I want people to like me. Um, I thrive on, on, on being affirmed. Uh, it's, uh, if, if you believe in love language, love languages, words of affirmation are, are my love language. And uh, so it is just difficult for me to watch uh, a protagonist and, and, and realize that the whole point of this, the reason that the writer wrote this woman, wrote this protagonist is to see what happens if someone never receives any affirmation at all. Right. That is that is my kind of hell. <laughs> How about that? Mm. Does that make sense? Sure. Maybe. Sure. And I'm just kind of realizing this for the first time. So maybe that's why it's particular dif particularly difficult to watch. Um, but but, but surely um, as, as a teacher, you've uh, not maybe not experienced kids that are affected this deeply by mm. zero affection. But certainly you've you've ah. seen gradients on the scale. Yes. Close to this. Yeah. 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 So I get I, my antenna are up for students like this. Certainly. Yeah. Um, I mean, every year I, I, I spend a lot of time trying to build up kids like this. Um, she's, it's interesting. She wears this as if it's all she's deserving of, right? She wears this, uh, shabby green tracks, lumpy track suit, right? She has like cousin it hair. It's parted yeah. down the middle. It goes down to her waist. And Evan she Rachel is like deep voice, like very yeah, not, you yeah. know, non-feminine manish. You know, yeah. 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 Um, and, and, and I have students like that who are so uncomfortable in their own skin that um, they just assume they don't deserve to, to be lovely or lovable, whether male or female. Sure. Um, there are male and female ways of manifesting that as, as teenagers. Uh, 
Yeah. So, hey, you're, I think you're onto something. You're, you're, you're onto something when you press me on this point. Um, if I had old Dolio as a student, I, I would spend particular time with her. Um, I, I, I think that affirmation is some parents' blind spot. Mm. Um, I think they, uh, a lot of people think uh, exhortation, uh, maybe, maybe their child's not trying hard enough or they, their child's a failure or a disappointment. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, I so, think as parents, yeah. it's hard to see that as a teacher, it's easier. You know, I don't, I don't have the baggage of the parent child relationship. It's, I can tell when someone's unloved and in need of that, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, I, I didn't, didn't mean to press just to put you on the couch. Like I was, I was just like genuinely curious, like why this was hard to watch um, knowing you and like what, what makes you kind of cringe and like want to hide. <laughs> yes. um, Cause it wasn't hard to watch for me. Like, and maybe it's, it's just my heart. Like that, like seeing, seeing this depiction, like really broke my heart yeah. and it, it seemed familiar to what I have seen. Not, not that they were the same, but like, uh, in, in my former life as a teacher, and then I spent many years as a teacher, um, any student who acted out mm -hmm. weeks or months later, I would find out why. Yeah. But there was always a story and that that kid was hurting. Yeah. Whether it was a kid who was uh, the child of wealth um, and you find out that, that kid is ignored <laughs> and, and w w affection is withheld or whether that kid is a kid of in, in poverty who does not have parents present in the life. Um, this was familiar to me. Uh, and it, 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 it broke my heart. Um, just as like my heart for, um, seeing students who, who don't have parents in their life who love them. And, uh, and, and so like, it was a depiction, like, it wasn't like a popcorn movie that you like pop in and just like, you know, laugh and, you know, feel good about yourself. And I also, I, I understand that like truly sad movies can be hard to watch. I remember my wife, uh, made me watch a walk to remember like back in the day, 20 years ago, this movie with Mandy Moore and some dude where like one of them dies. I don't even remember who, but I'm like, what was the point of that movie? It's just like a hundred percent sad. Like, it's just like emotional pornography, except like there's, it's, there's nothing happy. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's not, it's not like you see, Oh, well maybe, maybe they were saved at the last minute. No, it was just sad. It was just <laughs> manipulating of, of, of my emotions. And like, I, I don't want to just be sad. So I get like, if, if you've listened to this podcast and you're like, well, none of this sounds like uplifting. Why would I watch this? Uh, for, for me, it, it just breaks my heart because it's very real that there are, are, are millions and millions of people. Um, not that like simply affection alone would have made them better people. Um, but that like, I, I recognize this as a universal human thing. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, it's well-made. It, it deals with, uh, some some real profound themes um is just extraordinarily difficult for me to watch so that's yeah and that's kind of my us, my review Kirk, any, and each of us have our own stories like <laughs> there are movies that are universally beloved that i'm like ah, I, I could not watch it you know where it's just like like whatever it is inside of me makes it makes it hard to watch i'm sorry that you had to suffer through this for my sake <laughs> and for ryan's sake you know what this is proof of how much we love our listeners. <laughs> I will even watch Kajillionaires for you. <laughs> Just wait till a listener suggests you watch Saw. <laughs> I will never watch Saw. I Kirk, never... shall we pray? Let's end in prayer. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. 
O God, you have taken to yourself the blessed Virgin Mary, mother of your incarnate son. Grant that we who have been redeemed by his blood may share with her the glory of your eternal kingdom through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Keep your church, O Lord, by your perpetual mercy, because without you, the frailty of our nature causes us to fall. Keep us from all things hurtful and lead us to all things profitable for our salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Kirk, uh, I'm excited to be back from vacation and excited to sit down and record with you again next week as we discuss the phenomenal movie Saw 1, <laughs> 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. As you watch me squirm as I've never squirmed before. Next I'm week. I'm kidding. I, I don't do Saw either. <laughs> next week. <laughs>